everyone, and welcome to allergy season. <laughs> <laughs> For you, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, you know, the, the sexy trees and the sexy grasses are getting together, and it's making everybody sick. Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> you know, those trees are beautiful when they're in bloom. And then everything turns yellow. Yeah. And you become horrible to live with. Scrub the cars. Now they're yellow. They weren't originally yellow, but they are now. Um, the parking lot at work has streams of yellow. Like where the pollen has been blown into like, it looks like it is a river of oh, I yellow pollen. It. it is gross. I believe it. I mean, I, I will never forget the time when we were living in Virginia and I was stopped at a traffic light as a thunderstorm rolled in and it had been dry and the pollen had had started to explode and the winds picked up and all of a sudden you could just see the clouds of pollen being blasted off the trees. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, it's wild. There's some really awesome uh, YouTube and Facebook videos of trees getting shaken and the pollen just going Yeah, well... Hopefully, it'll ease in a few days. I hope so, because otherwise, you know, I'm going to have to banish you to the basement. Well, we do have a couple of opportunities to be maybe escaping pollen over the next couple of weeks. You're doing some travel. I'm doing some travel. Oh, it's just going to be different pollen. It'll still be pollen. (laughs) It'll just be different people's pollen. I don't know. Will it be grass pollen season in Italy the first week of July? Well... I hope not, but you're not going to be there the first week of July. Second week of July. There you go. That's right. You have heard it here first. We will not be recording for a couple of weekends in July, partly because of IndyCar, but also because I am headed to Italy and will be spending time at the home of Ferrari in Maranello, Italy. So watch this space for hopefully some video, definitely some pictures Probably not of F1 cars on the road because there'll probably be lots of Ferraris on the road, just no Formula One cars on the road. Well, since they're not street legal. There you go. I mean, it's Italy, so they do some bonkers stuff with cars. I want to give you the impression of what our entire audience just did. Ooh. Possibly. They're so excited for you. Either that or they hate me. Don't hate me because I'm beautiful. I already hate you, and it has nothing to do with levels of beauty. You know where folks are expressing some hate right now? Even diehard Formula One fans are expressing hate at Formula One management right now. Oh, anybody that subscribed to Formula One TV? Yeah, the F1 TV uh, Pro service. Well, it, it started out really well in Monaco. From what we hear... Unlike in Barcelona, all the practice sessions, everything went great. Qualifying, everything went great. Wow. Then they blacked out the race start. They blacked out the race start? Yeah. Crashed on the opening lap, worked fine through pre-race, and then you just got a black screen. So folks did not see the start. And then when it finally stabilized, and, and it was on and off until about the middle of the race. But when it finally stabilized, the commentary was out of sync by like two laps. Oh, no. There were a lot of 
because I guess what this sounds a lot like is some bandwidth issues because the banners were unreadable. Everything was pixelated and blurry. It sounds like they're still dealing with some serious bandwidth issues. What it sounds like to me is that Formula One fans have taken down a set of servers. They probably took them down at the be- when they were all logging into the beginning of the race at Monaco. And they only were able to get a couple of servers back up, which causes bandwidth issues. Yeah. So obviously, A, your server farm's not big enough. And B, you didn't realize that more people would log in right before the race than watch the practice sessions? I... Like, I could have told you that. And I don't even have impressive eyebrows like Sean Bratches. <laughs> I have normal eyebrows, and I could have told you how to prepare for this better. Yeah, just not a great situation. Sound dropping out, video dropping out. It was, it's ridiculous. Bad. So hopefully things will get better. Maybe third race is the charm. We'll give you some hope for the next one. Maybe second season. Yeah. It'll improve the second season. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. They'll find their groove by 2020. So do you remember, while we're still talking about um, about Monaco, do you remember the situation where Lewis came out of the pits and ended up behind Esteban Ocon? Yes. And there was some question as to whether or not Ocon would let him, because technically they were racing for position at that point. And Ocon pretty much made it easy for Lewis to just pop right by. Mm-hmm. Well, there was some speculation that maybe a phone call was made. Really? People there, thought that there was a phone call made between Mercedes and Force India? As kind of like the, the customer child team type thing. Uh, okay. Um, well... Force India says, no, they didn't call us. They didn't do anything. We just planned our race. And um, according to Bob Fernley, he said, we looked at the tire strategies and there was no point holding Lewis up because we need to get home with a comfortable one stop. So they didn't bother with it. Okay, so here's my position on such ridiculousness. It does not take rocket science to figure out Who's really racing who? So, yes, Ocon and technically, by the rules of Formula One, Ocon and Lewis were racing for position. Except that when you start thinking about adding entire strategy and who, where you're really going to, you know, what group of people you're fighting with, you have to stop and think for a second and say, I'm not fighting with Lewis. Lewis is fighting in the first three spots, and I'm fighting in... Five, six, and seven. Yeah, and and what Bob Fernley goes on to say is that um, they would have done this for anybody. It could have been Ricardo. It could have been Vettel. They didn't care. They were going to let anybody go through. It just didn't make sense to bother with it. Um, Lewis did say that he thought it was the most exciting part of the race because he actually got to do an overtake. (laughs) But, of course, they didn't really fight so it wasn't really all that difficult and wasn't. well lewis thought that was a really boring race it's not his favorite race because it's processional and except it tends to be his favorite race but this year because they were driving so slow um i think it was yeah it was bbc that that did an analysis of the lap times in qualifying 
as opposed to in the race at the fastest point of the race, so towards the end of the race. Mm -hmm. And there was something like a four-second difference. Oh, wow. It was huge. They were driving significantly slower during the race than they were at qualifying. Wow. The thing is, and I say this every year, Monaco is one of my favorite races for all of the hype and the celebrities and the talk and things like that. It is my least favorite race to watch. Even yeah. Singapore is more exciting for me to watch because you got the safety cars. There's well, a guarantee of a safety car in Singapore. There, there's that. The, the thing with, with, with Monaco, and I know there's just so much you can watch of it, but if they put the cameras, and it, we didn't even get that this year. But if they put the cameras in the right spot, you get some fantastic slow-mo shots. <laughs> now, admittedly, they lowered the curves, so the shot, that, that great shot of the cars bouncing across the first chicane coming out of the tunnel, we've lost that because they flattened those curves. But we didn't get any slow-motion, close-up shots of them kissing the wall, none of it. We got some something with somebody getting really close to the wall. Um, I think yeah, it, it was, was. It was. They kept replaying Max's crash. No, no, somebody that did it successfully. Bear oh. with me. There was somebody that did it successfully, and they were sh comparing that to, to Max's. But we did get a close-up wall shot at one point. But you're talking about that awesome shot that they they play a lot, which is the three wheels on the ground, one wheel up in the air as they come across one of the curbs at the chicane. Yeah. Um, I know that is your favorite shot in all of Formula One. It's a My great shot. Of course, is the birds on the track during rainstorms in Melbourne is my favorite shot that has ever been done in Formula One. You remember the slow motion not, of not the e birds? Not, not even the, the seagulls on the track in Montreal. Good, they didn't get a good picture of the seagulls on the sh on the track. But do you remember that? It was several years ago. There was like torrential yeah. rains. They were sweeping the water off the track. And I believe that they have like a requirement of so many slow motion shots. But since they weren't going to get them during the race, they did these slow motion bird shots. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was it was the qualifying, and it was the weather was so bad that they didn't finish up the qualifying until Sunday before the race. Correct, and that's was uh, you know all the teams were uh, joking around in the the pit garages. I think Red Bull came out and did a canoe. Mime. No, that was Austin. That was Austin. Oh, was that Austin? That, that was did? with the hurricane in Austin. Ah, yeah, there was a lot of fun stuff that happens during rainstorms. Yeah. But, yes, the bird shot in Melbourne was my absolute favorite slow-mo shot that's ever been done in Formula One. So while we're on the topic of Force India, word came out this past Thursday that Vijay Malia, the Vijay Malia, is stepping down from his role as Force India director. In addition, he is expected to hand over his role on the board to his son Siddharth but he will remain the team principal. The team principal cannot attend any races for risk of being, you know, arrested. Well, he can go to the he can go to the British Grand Prix. He can go to the team's mission control in Silverstone. Yes. So he can team principal from there. Yeah. But I don't think he can leave England, can he? No, that he can't do. He's basically not, he's basically in country arrest. Now, 
that would be the reason why he is stepping down from these roles. It is so that he can focus on his own legal issues. Oh. Well, he probably needs to do that if he's going to try to justify the financial stylings of B.J. Malia. Yeah, he says there's no compulsion anywhere to resign. It's just that I decided that my son should replace me. I have my own legal issues to take care of, so it's better that the company remains unaffected. Now, he also is downplaying suggestions that the team may be close to a sale. Uh Uh-oh. He says rumors keep going on and on and on, and people talk and talk and talk. That's what the F1 paddock is all about, the finances of Force India. Whether I'm selling or not selling has been a matter of speculation on and off for many years. We don't go around with a for sale sign. The bottom line is that we are focusing on getting the best performance out of the car, and that is our priority. There are three shareholders, remember. I'm not the only one. <laughs> okay. We, we heard you. We don't believe you, yeah. but we heard you. Um, over at Ferrari, uh, they've lost a designer. Yes. Yeah. The gentleman who is effectively the number two to technical director, Mattia Bonotto, um, that would be Simone Resta. He is one of their lead designers. He is leaving the team to join Sauber as their technical director. Well, I wonder if that's not a negotiated deal with you know Sauber being a junior Ferrari team. You know, it may be some of it also with the thought that Charles Leclerc is you know the protege over at Sauber and. Give him a little bit more support. Give him somebody that can work with him on being able to give feedback and that type of thing. You know, there's there's some advantages to spreading your talent around. Plus, Simone gets to be head honcho over at a smaller team while he's being groomed and such, but still stays within the Ferrari family. Yeah. Well, you're at Marinello. Do you think that you could ask these questions so that we could get confirmation as to the real purposes behind them? Certainly. I would probably, really appreciate that. Probably, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure the garbage man's going to have a lot to say about it, and the guy working in the gas station, and the guy working in the gift shop at the Ferrari Museum. Excellent. I, w- I think all of those people are very valuable people. They're really under-interviewed people in the, in the, <laughs> the world of Formula One. Um, but I'm quite sure they all have opinions. So you should definitely dig deep into the opinions of all of these people. We'll we'll see what we can do. How's your Italian? Um, pretty bad. As in non-existent? Pretty much. <laughs> Excellent. Mostly. <laughs> so, speaking of Ferrari. Yes. Uh, starting next week at the Canadian Grand Prix, uh, Ferrari will be using, or the FIA will be using new software to monitor their ERS. Okay, is they this don't a Ferrari-only rule? Um, primarily Ferrari-only. Oh, we don't trust you, therefore we're putting an extra check on your system. Exactly. Oh. Is this a result of the letter that Mercedes wrote? Yes. And, and remember, as we discussed last week, not just the letter, but the letter and the fact that nobody really understands what the heck they're doing. I don't think—didn't? 
they have a statement or something that they came in and they tried to explain what they were doing and it made no sense to anybody? There was that. They And the FIA said, we're pretty sure they're not doing anything that they're not supposed to be doing, but we don't really understand what the heck they're doing. And therefore, we need to monitor it. And, and that's exactly what this is. Um, so there is software that is going to be put in place just to make sure that because of the odd way that the Ferrari system is designed, that they are not taking advantage of the rules. Okay. Speaking of not taking advantage of the rules, I totally forgot that we need to play the results from Monaco uh, for the Fantasy GP. Oh. I jumped ahead and I did not mention it. So give me a sec and let me pull that up for us where things stand in the league because there's been big changes. Yes. Race six may have been slow on the track, but Monaco produced some big results in the league. In the last race, Michael's Mach 5 Racing had a big week, scoring 180 points. Patricia's The Bird team was second with 123 points. Richard's Fly Fast team was third with 117 points. Agro's Puppet Racing was fourth with 108 points. Phil's Team Rocket was fifth with just 85 points. And the boys' Moonlit Black Cats team was sixth with just 81 points. In the overall league standings, Michael's Mach 5 Racing jumps back into the lead with 802 points along with the widest points margin so far this season. Patricia's The Bird Team moved up in the second with 750 points. Agro's Puppet Racing slides back another position to third with 737 points. Bill's Team Rocket falls back to fourth with 721 points. The boys' Moonlit Black Cats team remains in fifth with 570 points. But Richard's Team Fly Fast is just five points away at 565 points. Even though you've missed the start of the season, you can still join in and pitch your skills against us every week by going to fantasygp.com and entering the lead code 1483131. Very good. I didn't quite realize until just then that you beat the boy by 99 points in one race. Well, just to be clear, he had a really really bad week he really did he did we should all feel sorry for him yeah but i think i said this last week monica was one that you were either going to get it all right or all wrong yeah and i don't have a good answer for what we're gonna see in uh montreal i mean i think mercedes will obviously be infinitely stronger oh yeah but given the way they have performed yeah i don't think we'll see red bull up there but I think the Ferraris may be nipping at their heels again. Oh, I haven't set up my predictions yet, so I'm not commenting. I have not either. She better get them in by like Thursday. All right. Uh, Moving on, while we're talking about Ferrari and Mercedes and that whole ERS situation, Mercedes really kind of upset at the FIA. But they did what? they wanted to do when they wrote they wrote a letter now they're having additional monitoring on their competition that's exactly what mercedes wanted right well actually the the problem is mercedes doesn't appreciate the fact that the fia disclosed who at mercedes was ratting on ferrari Ooh. they didn't appreciate the fact that they came out and said that oh it was james allen and or excuse me james allison and lorenzo sassi from Mercedes, who came to complain about Ferrari. And both of them originally came from Ferrari, correct? There's that, too. <laughs> yeah. 
that's that's not that's not cool fia yeah they're they're anonymous reports for a reason now over at red bull we have some news about their prioritized contracting list oh so they only have three lawyers and they can only work on one thing at a time so yeah they got to triage stuff they got to get things sorted out okay so what's their first? Obviously, it's Ricardo's contract, correct? Actually, no. Okay, yeah. Maintaining a driver lineup, that's not important. So. Well, the driver lineup is really important, but you also need to have something to power the car. Also a good thing. So trying to figure out whether or not they're going to be sticking with Renault, unlikely, or they're going to actually make the jump to uh, Honda, Stupid, stupid, stupid idea. Can you imagine what that triage meeting actually sounded like? Let's just imagine for a moment. Sitting in the room. All right, we've got to have a good driver. We, have, we haven't we have put Ricardo under contract. We have to make a decision. That's an important piece of this puzzle. And somebody across the table goes, yeah, but we're going to need an engine that needs to drive this car. We've got to make a decision because there's downstream effects of how we design the car. If we change engine manufacturers at this point in the game, we got to make that the priority. And so I think they had a fight to the death to figure out who got higher priority. Well, I, you know, I think the other piece of this, there was there was a lot of talk on the Channel 4 coverage about, well, you know, where Ricardo decides to go is going to depend on performance and everything but with the engine situation thrown in the mix even if ricardo has the fairy tale season and ends up second or even clinches the championship i can't imagine that if honda is named as the engine provider for red bull for 19 that it's really going to be that attractive to him mm. Well, it's it's such a huge risk, if you think about it. Oh, absolutely. Because, I mean, yes, they're doing better this year as and with their Toro Rosso, but they're not doing great. They're, they're not doing great. They're not consistently beating the other Renault-powered cars. Right. They're certainly not beating the Red Bull. Now, that would be kind of embarrassing if the Toro Rosso was beating the Red Bull. And at that point, the decision would be pretty, pretty easy to make. But, but I think the fact that the Honda engine's not beating the other Renault engines is telling. And it's, I mean, it's it's risking going back five years. Oh, at a minimum. Yeah. At a minimum. I mean, I, I don't know how they make that decision, honestly. I know they're not happy with what they have, but do you really want to take the giant risk and have to bank everything on your arrow? You've got superior arrow. We know that. Well, that, that that's they've been doing that for years now. But again, you, you look at Daniel Ricardo as somebody who is truly hungry. And... and Red Bull put themselves in this position. They mm-hmm. really did. They, yes, admittedly, the Renault engines were not performing anywhere close to satisfactory for a very long time. Um, but after the massive fallout that happened that caused them to rebrand the Renault engines as Tag Heuer's because nobody would give them an engine because they were such a poor engine partner. Right. 
they left themselves with absolutely no options. Well, that's the problem. I mean, you've painted yourself into a corner because you were not a good partner. Yeah. I mean, I get wanting to win and, and wanting to do well, but at the end of the day, you're not just a customer, you're a partner. Right. But even in this case, as a customer, you still don't want to go and take that much of a dump on your engine provider. Exactly. It's just not reasonable. It's not polite. I think the answer is Red Bull should start their own engine building project for 2021. I think you are that right. That way they have nobody to blame but themselves. I think you're right. They don't have the skills. I don't think they have the people. But I think they have the money. They have the money. That You are right. They have the money. So in a different direction, uh, the mayor of Miami, Francis Suarez, admits that the city of Miami is probably going to deal with some legal issues when it comes to uh, hosting a race next year. Oh, well, that, in my city of Miami is not, that's not a foreign concept to them that they would have legal issues. Now, he did go on to say that we're going to end up being sued because, you know, you're going to have major activity. It's going to disrupt the, the activity in a city through street closures. There's going to be noise. There's going to be all this stuff for everyone who lives down there. He says, we're going to end up being sued, and I'm going to tell you that we're probably going to win the suits. Oh, so maybe don't bother. That may be some of it. Some of it may also be the reminder of, again, this is Miami, and the politics and the judges are crooked. Exactly. So we'll get what we want. In the Banana Republic of Miami. Uh, The Banana Republic of Miami-Dade. Remember, they rebranded a few years back. No, but but this is the city of Miami as opposed to Miami-Dade County. County, Which has its own corruption level. Right. Different thing. Different corruption. Sorry. Didn't mean to cross my corruption streams. So there may be a change coming to the weekends. To race weekends. Really? Yes. The FIA has announced that they are considering scrapping the traditional Friday night F1 driver's briefing. Oh, well, that was always my highlight of my weekend. Well, you got to think about this. Um, It's after the first day of practice they do this, and this is – the whole point is supposed to be so that the drivers can give feedback to the FIA on the circuit. Right. And we have seen over the years, as a result of these meetings, changes being done on Friday night into Saturday to improve various different conditions. Whether curb that's, heights being one of them. Curb heights has been an issue, uh, marking of escape lanes, um, if somebody cuts a curb, all of those various things that happen, a lot of that has come out of the Friday meetings. Okay. Well, because team managers currently meet with the FIA on Thursday afternoons before the start of the race weekend in order to discuss track changes and any issues from the previous race, there's some consideration that maybe they don't need to do that, especially because a lot of times the Friday session tends to morph into a meeting of the the Grand Prix Drivers Association after the team managers leave. Again, why is this a bad thing? I, I, I don't quite understand. 
Now, Charlie says the main reason that I've suggested this is simply that we discuss things in the team manager's meeting on the basis that they will pass them on to their drivers. And when we get to the driver's meeting, it's quite evident that sometimes this hasn't happened and we have to go through it all again. One of the main reasons for having the driver's briefing on Friday after the first day of running was so that they could tell us what they have seen, like a marshal doing something on the track. But it really isn't of any value, because whether they see anything, they tell us anyway. There's a far better communication system now. It would make a lot of sense and save everyone a lot of hassle, really. Wait a second. Did I understand what you just said correctly? There's a Thursday night meeting where Charlie wants to share with the team management mm-hmm. things that they, the team managers then need to pass on to the drivers. Right. And then they have this Friday meeting, and Charlie is very much realizing that that information has not been passed on to the drivers. Right. Okay, so I have a question. Why would you then cancel the meeting that passes the information on to the drivers that Charlie felt was important? Well, there's that issue. Or possibly invite the drivers to the meeting so you don't have to say everything twice. Well, there's that issue, and arguably, you know, they could possibly send that in an email. You know, why go to a meeting that could just be taken care of in an email? Does your office have the ribbons that my office has? Um, there's somebody in our office who, who displays one of those ribbons. It's it's one of those, like, it looks like a first prize ribbon, yes. but it says, I survived another meeting yes. that could have been avoided with an email. Yes. Yes. And, but, and Because he's right over the fact that the teams and the drivers – do not hesitate in the slightest to complain to Charlie within moments of it happening, any slight, any issue, any whatever, real or perceived, that they think that he should take action on. Correct. During the session. And they don't need to hold a separate meeting to go and share that information because they're really quick to get on the radio and go, tell Charlie that this sucks. (laughs) Okay, there's a point there. I don't know. From what we have seen of the the two uh, the two meetings that the uh, that Formula One management released video of, I'm not sure I agree. But since we're not present in these meetings, I don't know. My biggest concern is that if Charlie is finding out that he is having to repeat information that he had intended for the managers to pass to their drivers and it did not get passed then canceling the meeting where charlie can pass this information to the drivers seems to be a problem now yes i know it could be summarized in an email but there obviously is a reason why he's not sending it in an email in the first place or he wouldn't be telling the managers to tell their drivers so I don't know what is missing in that combination, but if there's important information that Charlie wants the drivers to have and the drivers are consistently not showing up to a Friday meeting with that information, Charlie should be looking to figure out how to make sure everybody's got it before he goes and cancels the meeting. Yeah. That's email. And Bulletin board. A bulletin board, yes. We'll go to old-fashioned bulletin boards in every pit. Yes. Yes, I think. I mean, page boys, like the little newspaper boys at the ends of the pit lane. Get your Charlie news here. Get your Charlie news here. No, they're going to they're gonna put up the, the, the bulletin boards. 
And then the grid girls are going to come back with the job of getting the memos from the steward's office and going to each one of the garages and posting the memos up. That that's, is the new grid That's going to be their job. I would really wish that you know our grid girls would have a better job than you know push pins. I, hey, it, at least there's more substance to the role than just standing in front, standing on the grid holding a sign. Okay, because there's this? more value in what they're the information they're providing at that point. What do you think of this? Hang on. What if the grid girl's new job is to actually personally communicate this information from Charlie to the drivers? Maybe the drivers would listen then. In a calligraphy note. <laughs> That's it. In order to be a grid girl, you have to be a calligrapher. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> the soundtrack that's going through my head is there's a line from the musical Phantom of the Opera where the Phantom has been sending notes to the management of the theater, and one of the theater owners announces, too many notes for my taste, and that's a, this great line mm. in, the, in the theater. And I love it, and every time we start talking about somebody's written a letter or Charlie's sending a note or this or that, that's the line that goes through my head, and that's exactly what I'm hearing right now, is I could just hear Lewis storming around the... Uh, the garage going, there's too many notes for my taste. <laughs> Could be. So moving on, 2021 engine specifications are still under discussion. However, Toto Wolf is acknowledging that they're probably going to have to accept that the MGUH is going away. Ah. Um, well, considering that's one of the sticking points that Ferrari has had, if Mercedes is saying that they're willing to accept it, I Ferrari's think that would mean Ferrari's too. probably going to fold as well. Yeah. The other thing that, that he has come out in support of, and it was a proposal that was put forth by Cyril Abitbull over at Renault, of freezing de further development on engines until 2021 with the idea of, you know, we're a couple of years out. If we freeze development probably outside of reliability – a, you, you cut back on the amount of money you're spending on these engines that are going to have a limited life. And they can redirect those teams into the new engines. But also potentially some parity? I don't know. Because if you freeze development and you say, okay, nobody develops, well, the Red Bull engine or the Renault engine's kind of locked in at its, and the Honda both locked in at their weaker points. Yeah, that's my problem with that idea. Yeah. I mean, I get the idea of if you freeze it, you can redirect your teams. But Mercedes and Ferrari already have teams that are working on, you know, they're already spitballing what the possibilities of what these things are going to be and starting to develop that already. And you gain nothing if you're run out that way. Yeah. So we'll see where that shakes out. Now, we're approaching Montreal. And as Kimi Raikkonen heads to Montreal, he's dealing with some legal issues. Drunk driving? Uh, no, actually, he has filed a complaint with authority with uh, police in Canada, alleging, and actually it was made on his behalf, and uh, alleging that he is the victim of extortion by a woman in Montreal. Really? 
So what happened was in 2016, a woman alleged online that she was involved with an incident involved in an incident with an unnamed F1 driver and his friend while she was working at a bar after that year's Canadian Grand Prix. She claimed that the intoxicated driver touched her breast while she was working as a waitress and that an anonymous friend put his hand down the front of her underwear. Oh, my word. So earlier this year, she published a follow-up stating that she had protected the driver too long and would act. Um, So there was a letter that was received by Kimmy's team on May 23rd, stating that she would go public with the accusations without recompense, which the representative said to Autosport was a huge amount of money. Whoa. Yeah. So as a result of her letter saying, pay me or I'm going public, he's filing his own claim uh, regarding extortion. And guess what? She just went public. Well, yeah, there's that too. (laughs) Jumping back a little, Monaco. I know, we're going all over the place this week, but it didn't make sense to talk about this earlier. So, After Monaco, Nico Rosberg and KK Rosberg sat down for an interview with Martin Brundle that was published on Nico's website. Okay. And like I said, it didn't really make sense to talk about it anywhere else because it was Nico and KK. There was some interesting stuff there, not the least of which was the fact that... Um, since we've been doing the show, since we've been following stuff, we really haven't heard from K.K. Rosberg. No, he's been utterly silent. So we've got some comments on, on a bunch of different topics. The first one we've got is regarding um, K.K. and managing Nico. And admittedly, the way we're going to talk about these and the way these are going to come out aren't necessarily how they were aired in, how they were recorded and shown in the interview. And we also apologize for the terrible terrible backing track that i'm assuming is nico's people thought it would be great to put in the background of this i don't know maybe this is hip cool music in monaco or something oh my word it's awful but uh first let's hear what kk has to say about his ongoing involvement well how he managed and, and and when he decided to step out from nico's career Sports Did you not manage Nico in the beginning? Or? I, I, I was guiding him as a father. Yeah. And when the moment came, that when I said jump and he said why, then I knew it was time to stop that. So, <laughs> so that was the moment when I stopped the guiding. And, and that uh, I'm very thankful for. Yeah. Because that was just yeah, it was, exactly it was the, the right, right way to do it. And, and, exactly and, the right and thing. Dad, yeah. yeah, it was perfect. Yeah. It was perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So that, I think that was one of my biggest achievement that I let him go exactly at the right moment. It wasn't too late, it wasn't too early, it was the right time. And uh, yeah, I was very active after the, after the driving career. And it's funny now, most people ask me all the time, well, how is Nico? Is he regretting or, or how is he? I said, look, uh, what do you think about it? And I say, I see a very happy son. Now that's what comes. So he must have been the right choice. He's enjoying what he's doing. He's got a lovely family, and like I do, and everybody's everybody's happy. And I thought that was a really different perspective compared to what we have seen, not just from Yas and Max, but also from Jensen and his dad. And Lewis and his dad. Yeah, but they had a falling out, mm-hmm. and Anthony hasn't been nearly as involved. Right. 
But I think that they those dads all stayed in longer than KK, who basically it doesn't even sound like he ever really managed his career as much as gave him fatherly advice and then as even as Nico started questioning that said okay you need to hear this from a third party yeah but John Button on the other hand stayed involved all the way through Jensen's career true and the truth is and I'm gonna guess that it was really style because Jensen speaks of John's involvement as bringing them together it did and John was also very, very well respected in the paddock. Right. But I think there's also something about the fact that John was building carts for other people. Yeah. And, you know, he had his own business piece of this. So his world was not Jensen. I mean, he, he was he worked with Jensen. He made sure that Jensen got the right people in his life. And there were times that John stepped out of Jensen's world to give him the right people. But John had his own career in cart building and in engines and stuff like that that took him away from that stuff. And I think that that gives you some good distance. I will not be surprised if Max and Yas have a falling out at some point. I think Yas is way too involved. It, it, I don't know. That, the family dynamic in that family is very different. So very I don't different, know. true. Um, speaking of family dynamic um, and involvement, a little more on KK and his decisions to move away from Formula One as Nico rose to prominence. Okay. Well, it's been amazing seeing you two together and yeah, finally getting an interview with you, Keki, because you're camera shy. Yeah, I am. I've, I've withdrawn completely out of public eye since 2010, really. And, and it, I know it was the right decision. It mainly came because uh, uh, drivers, active drivers, which Nico was at the time, were very difficult to get. So the dad's there, got nothing to do, let's ask him. So I found myself being in public eye much more than I should have been on my own merit, only to comment about him. So I said, no, no, this, I can't continue this. And I just categorically stopped everything and became a recluse. That's surely what he's done. That's interesting. I, it, it's, it's incredibly self-aware to decide that I'm getting pulled into the forefront because the driver, the active drivers are not available and it's more than I should be in the forefront, that they should go find other people and not just talk to me because I'm, quote, accessible. Yeah. That's incredibly self-aware. But I've also kind of got to wonder whether or not the reason we don't hear as much from Yas is because he's taking a different approach. He wants to be involved. He wants to be there. He wants to see this stuff. But he does not want to outshine Max. Mm -hmm. And as a result, he rarely gets involved in any of the the media coverage and any i mean you very rarely get comments from yas right well i mean that's definitely something that i think that he's doing but i think that that's what all the right fathers should be doing i mean if you think about it we don't hear that much from carlos sainz senior i mean he's been interviewed but in conjunction with his son but i think the difference is that carlos sainz doesn't necessarily go to um, the races that often. Well, probably because he's actively racing in his own. Well, yeah, there's that. He's got a, his own career. Um, we didn't hear from Jolian Palmer's dad very much. But, Jonathan. Okay, 
but we didn't hear from Jolene either until he became on. And and I don't think Jonathan again another one who had his own career and his own stuff going. I don't think we saw Jonathan at the track very often. No. So, but I really think that, and maybe it could be a function of watching what's happened between dads and sons in this process. I don't think that we hear a lot from fathers about their sons, especially ex or former Formula One fathers. Yeah. Um, I think they've all kind of started to take this line of that's that's my kid. It's his turn. I want to, you know, I'm, I'm here or I'm not here. But I think KK was incredibly self-aware to say, you know, he was probably one of the first ones. I mean, you figure uh, Graham Hill and Damon Hill were like, er, just earlier than they were earlier than that. But he's probably one of the first in that second generation father son thing. And to be aware that he shouldn't be in front of the camera when it's Nico's turn. Yeah. And say, you know, I'm too available and I'm not going to be. And I kind of get the impression he naturally wanted to be a recluse. I think he did to some extent. Um, So the last comments that we have are around Nico's decision to retire Mm. and KK's reaction. And what about when Nico suddenly, at the end of 2016, retired? What did you think of that? Well, I got the message from my wife, who had received the text message from Nico. And the the last last sentence was, please tell that too. (laughs) (laughs) So that's how I found out. (laughs) And what was your first reaction to that happy news? Um, When I retired, my best friend said, why are you stopping? It's too early. Why are you stopping? You're making so much money and you're having fun and everything. And and it's a very personal decision. Has always been my thinking about when to stop any any kind of sport. Uh, and and therefore you don't discuss it. You don't create an opinion. But when when Nico retired, I was a bit like been punched in the stomach and the air was out for a while. Only slightly. Only slightly. <laughs> but but. No, 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 but this, this is the instant reaction because I didn't expect it. But, but then you think about it and you say, okay, it's, it's his choice, it's his life, it's his raising. And if he's decided it's time to go, then, then it's time to go. Yeah. It's... Yeah. It's time to go. I love the fact that he learned because his wife was told in a text message, tell dad to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, apparently... Um, Nico hasn't figured out how to do the group text yet. No. No, he has not. Um, I was going to say that's the only reason why I don't see that happening to your son. Is that <laughs> he has mastered group text. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, I could fully see him telling me something and then go, oh, would you tell dad too? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So other father-son news. Remember last week we talked about the fact that um, Michael Latife is McLaren's newest shareholder. Correct. And we speculated on what that could mean for Nicholas and his career. Right. Well, Nicholas has come out and said that um, he believes that his father's investment in McLaren uh, paints the wrong picture of him. Oh, you mean it paints the picture that daddy's buying you a seat in Formula One for your birthday? Exactly. Um, he says, not that I'm concerned with what the general public thinks, obviously, but it does, let's say, paint that picture of me. 
They're just giving their opinion based on what they see. If I wasn't involved in motorsport, I would think the same. The reality is separate. If I stopped racing tomorrow, the investment still would have been made. Ah. So it's entirely possible that instead of buying Nick a race seat, he's buying he he's investing in Nick's future so that when Nick takes over dad's company and dad's investments he has a leadership role in a motor in, in an automobile company see that's also possible. that's that's all it is this this is not at all nothing like a, a Lance Stroll type situation not at all doesn't look anything like that at all so either daddy is buying him a seat in Formula One or daddy's buying him a job at McLaren possibly I, I think I'm going to go with the job J- just to, to take Nick at his word. Taking it's Nick a future, at his word. It's a future job. That way when he's got something to do, because I believe Michael's money comes from a food distribution company. So Nick probably doesn't want to do that. You know, driving a truck gets kind of boring if you're a race car driver. So this is a different a different career path opening for him. Okay. Okay. Let's, let's go with that. It's a stretch. It's a big stretch. Stretch. So our last thing is uh, making the rounds on some of the automotive uh, websites are the mortar boards that two students at the University of Texas in Austin designed for their graduation. Okay. They gave them uh, tail wings from their favorite Formula One teams. (laughs) One from Haas and one from McLaren. Nice. Nice. And actually, it's unlike the complex Japanese designs that we have seen with the working DRS flap and all of that. These are fairly simple, but pretty ingenious designs. I thought they looked really good. Yeah. I mean, a couple of pieces of balsa wood with some tabs cut into them so that they can be slid onto the mortarboard without any kind of glue or anything special to hold them so they don't damage them or anything like that they just slide right on there and they've got the team's colors very interesting now i started to tell you earlier but when i graduated college i didn't know that decorating your mortarboard was a thing i had literally never been to a college graduation until I went to my own. Well, let, let's face it. Graduation ceremonies are boring. They are. But I didn't know this was like a thing people did. I just didn't know. So I got there and looked around and went, what is on everybody's caps? It was kind of <laughs> funny. Um, and uh, so this year, my university posted up in Facebook that they did a competition for mortarboard decorating this year. The stuff people entered into this competition was off the charts. Hmm. Somebody did an entire miniature farm. <laughs> um, I mean, like rows of of vegetables and I mean everything. It was crazy. Somebody else embroidered like beautiful silk embroidered like flowers all hmm. over the the top of their hat. Some of them had. Uh, you know, inspirational words and, you know, references to where they were going or, you know, the the next things. Um, but I remember my absolute favorite mortarboard of my own graduation because I just thought it was cool. was one of our bio majors. All they wrote on, the, on their mortarboard was MD2B. 
that's pretty ingenious. I thought that was now, just cool. I, I'm I'm trying to remember back. I I want to say that when I went to high school, because I didn't bother going to my college graduation because graduations are boring. <laughs> when I went to high school, they put out a directive that specifically banned folks from decorating their mortarboards. Now, as I recall, it didn't stop somebody from actually decorating their mortarboard, but they covered it up. Mm. They they put a, a cover on it that looked it was the same color as what the mortarboard should look like, and after they got their diploma, popped the cover off. Oh, that's kind of cool. With that idea of, well, what are you going to do to me now, huh? <laughs> Bring it. <laughs> that's cool. Are you going to ungraduate me? <laughs> you don't want to see me again. <laughs> yeah. No, that's 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 pretty cool. Yeah, I don't remember what they did or anything like that, but I seem to recall something like that occurring. Yeah, and that might have been why I didn't think it was a thing, was because it definitely wasn't done at the high school level. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I'll be interested. But if we can figure out the uh, the wing in about three years when we've got one, especially since it just clamps on. Yeah. Um, there might be a F one wing going to a high school graduation. We'll have to go and take a look. You probably look at that and maybe like a, a faux nose cone as well. Ooh. That would be kind of cool. So on that imaginative premise, let's call it a show. We are so glad you came. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye-bye. Remember, please discard all candy wrappers and popcorn containers in the nearest trash receptacle. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> okay. Are they all gone? Uh, is, is, there, is everybody gone? <laughs> huh? Good. Oh my gosh, my cheeks are killing me. I can't keep smiling like this anymore. I am exhausted. I think I need a break. A little break? Okay. Whew.